We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the hills of Strawberry Canyon, I'm Coin Dang, and this is the Golden Bear Cast. Let's go, go Bears! And welcome back to another episode of the California Golden Bear Cast. And I have to steal this from uh, someone that has been around the program for years, Mr. Bud Dog Turner. It is a great day to be a bear. I'm one of your co-hosts, Rob Huang. Of course, alongside me, as always, is the ever-moving, the unfindable Carmen San Diego of the BearCast, Mr. Andy Johnston. Andy, where are you recording from this moment? Live from Sayulita, Mexico. <laughs> so if you hear the drum beat in the background, I don't know if the band is going to play past 10 o'clock, but it's been pretty lively sounds like they're playing past 10 o'clock i'm just going to confirm the band is playing past 10 o'clock the band is also out on the field it's a great day to be a bear i i we're just gonna get right into it because we have a lot to talk about we have a lot of fan things that we got to read because people have been sending us messages about since they want to get in on the uh the home field apparel uh giveaway so we got a bunch to talk about. So let's start at the top. How awesome was this game? Well, I don't, I mean, you tell me, you tell me how <laughs> awesome this game was. I mean, I, I, I can talk about everything that happened there, but I want your take on like when you watched it, cause you weren't there with us. Like when you watched it, like, was it a, like a holy crap or just a, oh, this is so much fun. Or was it like a mix of both? Was it something totally else entirely? Because I don't okay. know what it was like watching on a TV screen versus like being in the stadium. So the first thing that I will say, so I was in Mexico and still, still am, still am. In Mex- still am in Mexico. And I, the reason I'm down here is for my aunt's memorial. And, uh, and, and so I would, I have not missed a big game in I want to say confidently 10 years. The last big game that I can remember missing was my sophomore year of college 
And I remember telling my dad, I never wanted to leave for a vacation until after the big game had happened from, that would have been 2008 forward. So let's say I have attended every single big game, although Chicago would complicate that. Most of the big games, I think, I can confidently say since 2014, I have not missed one. I'm pretty sure I haven't missed a single one since 2008. And so I missed this year because we're down here. And now I'm like, hot damn. I should never attend a big game ever again because clearly I was holding the entire program back, (laughs) the entire fan base back. I'm thinking next year, why not Costa Rica? Sounds good. Catch me in Costa Rica. So that's, that's what I was thinking. But for me, the vibes were so different, like nothing you could imagine because Obviously, Pac-12 network is not in Mexico, so I'm just watching off of a cell phone and checking in. And I remember distinctly because we were going out, of course, of all the days, we had the one thing planned was the night of the big game. So I was telling my dad, like, hey, obviously, it's going to be a conflict. And so right before we're getting in our car to go was when Chase threw the pick in the end zone that after the play where Nico got called for the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, which I thought was kind of, as I tweeted, I thought that was pretty soft. And I still stand by that. Like that was, that was barely pushed. Like, and that was on both sides and it was after the whistle and, you know, Chase throws that pick and I'm just like, dude, no, not one of these games, you know, like Damian Moore, you have the fumble. You obviously have the great play by Lou Hearns, but it just sort of seemed like it was going to be one of those games where we did what we do when we have a lot of time off, which is we come out rusty. We don't convert in like um, red zone situations. So initially I was pretty nervous, but now I'm curious to get your perspective. What was the first quarter like? Because Stanford had two you know, opportunities to score to put points up on the board and they didn't. And I was curious at that point in time, if you can check into Rob at the stadium, like what are you guys going through mentally? Uh, I think for us, it was, it was along the same lines, right? It was the Lou Hearns gets the pick where it were elated, like just ha- having so much fun. And then the first play of the drive, he fumbles and we're like, oh my God, not again. And then we get the fourth down stop, which we still we're we're sitting on the Stanford sideline. Um, and so like it's not it's basically in that corner that Trayvon Clark scored in on that 84 yarder. Um, and uh, I remember all of us like just screaming at David Shaw, telling him to punt it. Um, but then he goes for it. We get the stop and it's an oh, my God, uh, it's going to be one of those games. And then we go down the field. And then he throws the pick, and it's a it's the exact same thought that you had, which was, oh my god, here we go again. It's one of, it's going to be like a twelve to five game, like some absurdity is going to happen. Uh, and so yeah, at by that point in time, that's I think all of us who have watched Cal football enough and watched enough big games have probably are probably thinking, oh god, yeah. This is this is not gonna go like what we expected it to go as as it should be for a a, a rivalry game. 
Okay, so that's perfect. Sets the mood. That's what's happening. And then for me, my progression here is I then go from zero, zero. And keep in mind, I'm now like checking. It's gotten worse for me. So now I'm checking like the play-by-play. I'm like, wow, Stanford has the ball inside of Cal territory again. Like, I'm just getting down. I'm down on myself. And then it was 7-0 Cal. And I told everyone, they're like, okay, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. And then it was 14-0 Cal. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, that this game's almost out of reach. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was 14-3. And then it was 17-3. And then 23. At 20 to 3, I turned to my buddy Maddie, who goes, he's a freshman at Boulder. And he played high school ball at Monta Vista. So he actually knows Nate Ruchena pretty well. And I turned to him and I was like, this game's over. And I know you guys probably weren't saying that in the stadium, but I was, dude, 20 to three. I know it's not the magic 21, but I was like, this, this is over. <laughs> this, is, this is the death sentence if you are going up against Wilcox, period. Just those games, you're up 23. We don't lose those games. And so from there, I, I just ordered another margarita and started I was just in in happy happy days but once again Rob I don't care as much about that experience nor do I think anyone listening to this does <laughs> tell me what it was like in Stanford Stadium in the second quarter we start to put up those points right and um I think the one point or the one moment that I think we'll talk about is the moment where we got the ball back to end the second half and he calls the timeout immediately so that he can get the punt back with time. We still have our two timeouts. Uh, and I thought we were going to take some shots, which we did, uh, but it we didn't burn off enough clock and then we gave him the ball back and then they come back and they hit the field goal uh, to to end the half and it's 14-3. And it, it had that feeling of... Uh, the UCLA game in, what was it, 2017, you know, where he hits that long field goal to end the half. It kind of kind of takes the buzz out of the Cal side because we're, you know, we're keeping them scoreless. Uh, and, yeah, it was just, uh, okay, okay, like we're in a good place, but we got to, we got to, we got to be careful a little bit here. Um, and then the third quarter rolls around. And then it's wait, seven. wait, wait, before the third. Go ahead. Talk me through the first two touchdowns. Is oh, the first one the first one? Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk through that. Okay. Well, the first one is a big game. We witness history in that stadium. Is the longest pass in big game history, eighty-four yards from number seven Chase Garber to number eighty Trayvon Clark, who, by the way, seems to be arguably just the best wide receiver when it comes to the big game. Like, 22 years ago was outstanding, especially on that final drive. And then in this one, too, is uh, over 100 yards receiving on four targets, three catches. I think he went, like, 136 or something crazy. 135 on three catches. Yards after catch was 75. (laughs) That play was beautiful. I think it's one of... (laughs) Garber's best passes ever. Yeah. 
And uh, if you watch the post game with Trayvon, Trayvon said that as soon as he had beaten that corner, he knew. Like, he knew, Chase knew that he was gone. Like, it was a touchdown. Because they read cover zero. Everyone's lined up man-to-man. There's no safety over the top. So as soon as you can draw that passing lane out perfectly, which it did because the running back shifted out in the flat, the linebacker takes that step with him, and it opens up just enough of a gap to hit him on that slant, and he is off to the races, and he was gone. Like Chase hit him perfectly in stride. Perfectly. And I love, I think, Chase said this was just that we knew that you know Trevin Trey has burners uh-huh. and boy <laughs> that was awesome okay so that's 7-0 let's talk about 14-0 okay I this the second drive I think was that was like a a very Musgrave type drive very methodical running the ball were were completing passes um, I believe if I can pull up the drive chart here real quick, uh, the second touchdown is my guess was the Christopher Brown reception. Yep. That's what sets it up. Uh, so Cal drives, uh, pass complete to Nico Romijo for two yards. Then Garbers runs for, or actually, no, that's the wrong one. Uh, where are we? 14. Oh, here we go. Uh, Garbers pass to Kikoa for 13, and Brooks runs for three. Garbers passes for six. Garbers runs for two. We get a false start on Matt Tower. It goes back five yards. But then uh, incomplete pass by Chase. Then Chase runs for eight. Then another Chase pass to Trayvon for 17. Uh, incomplete pass by Chase. There's an offsides call by Stanford, so it goes into their territory. Brooks runs for zero, then Garbers passes to Monroe Young for 30 yards. That was the big one. That was dope. Um, that catch by Monroe. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then Garbers pass to Christopher Brooks for one yard and the Stanford touchdown. Or, sorry, the Cal touchdown. Yeah. Um, I, what more can I say? I mean, I tweeted about this a bunch, but that Monroe Young catch happened right in front of us, and I didn't see how incredible a catch it was until I was re-watching the game on Monday. And he jumps up. He's still his hips are still facing the end zone, and he reaches back and pl- high points the ball over the defensive back, and then turns his hips to reel the catch in. And if if that defender had maybe stumbled just maybe a, an inch, like Monroe would have had the touchdown. Um, like it's just that he got shoelaced as he was falling, and his knee hit the ground like on the one yard line, but. I mean, absolutely superb. And then the, the offense runs up to the, the the goal line, and they run a speed option. Or no, wait. No, this wasn't no. the speed option. No, this was the, the play action pass, and Chase drills Christopher Brooks. But right. I mean, if you watch that play too, that, that window is small. Yeah, it's tiny. It's so small because you have you have the defensive lineman r- coming out, and then you have either a DB or a linebacker that's jumping into the lane in, at that second level, and he throws it perfectly underneath the arm of the DB that's DB or linebacker that's jumping, and yeah. hits hits uh, hits Brooks perfectly. Like, good good lord, that play design. I think that to what I have noticed with I, I feel like that play is eerily similar to the play that we ran against Oregon State where we were able to get like the same thing with it's not the same but 
Uh, I, I do feel it was like another example of Chase like fitting a ball into a really tight window, and then also Musgrave using Chase in a rollout or like in a mobile position, which uh-huh. then uh, opened up the window for him to pass through. Like if he mm-hmm. traditionally drops back on that, that's just that play is not open. Yeah, but because of the fact that Chase can be a quarterback that can move on the run, like it was just a really sneaky good play and big time. All right, now we're up fourteen zero. You mentioned. I do want to talk about the three because we brought this up in and we specifically asked Wilcox or asked Trace to ask Wilcox. Thank you, Trace, for always being willing to fall on your sword for us about um, the decision to not try to put up points on the board against Oregon State. Yeah. And, and then in this game we have a very similar scenario and they decide to really try to be more aggressive with it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't pay off. No, nope. you know, they, they didn't call. I don't know. I don't know if they called any runs in that scenario. No, I'm looking and, at, or they did. They, it was one run play. It was a chase chase runs for 10 yards, gets the first down. And then it's a pass to Brooks incomplete to Christakos and then incomplete to Crawford. Yeah. So, I mean, very aggressive and what happened? Stanford gets the ball and then, is able to magically kind of put some points on the board before the end of the half. And I think it was related to a kind of not the world's best punt. Uh, and so I, I actually found it quite interesting because we've been vocally frustrated with Wilcox to a degree for not being more aggressive in those scenarios. And in this scenario, it kind of came back to bite him had he not, you know, just run the ball. Yeah. So interesting. Side points, just adding context here. Okay. No, I know I, because I think uh, it's very reminiscent of remember the TCU game. And remember, in, we had the lead going into halftime, and we all kind of in that game wanted him to just run out the clock. But instead, they, they took a couple shots deep. It didn't pay off. TCU gets the ball back, and then they score right before we go into halftime. Yeah. Um. So, like, as Wilcox said, I was I can't remember if it's the OSU game or the Washington State game where he was like, I mean, hindsight twenty twenty. Um, maybe I should have been more aggressive there. Uh, he said something along those lines in one of those games when we asked him about that. So I think it was just it was just in the in the moment. But I think I think when when they got to 14-0 and then we got the ball back, like the the coaches that are calling the game and the players, I think they smelled blood. Yeah, I, I I honestly think they smelled blood. They're like, we can run the score here, uh, and they took that chance. Uh, didn't pay off, and it, but thankfully the defense held. Which also, of, of course, you got the Mo ISF uh, targeting call to end the half um, there, and he was knocked out of the second half. Which that was a moment for me where I was like, oh man, this could potentially be bad. We're all we're already missing Femi. He wasn't playing, and we're down another inside linebacker, so we're down to two out of our two deep. Uh, and now we're gonna have to ask other guys to play. So that was uh that was the moment in the that was a big one. That's a good call out. Yeah. Okay, so can we just take a moment to talk about like what's the vibe in the stands by half? I think it's a it's a cautious optimism. We've been in this type of situation before. We've had a bit of a lead. You know, they actually got the three points back and. You know, we could have actually scored more too because of the interception in the end zone, and so it could have been twenty-one to three at this point. Uh, but you know, they also took 
two chances on fourth down and we stopped them twice. Uh, so it was just one of those like, like okay, okay, I feel good, but we really need to come out in the second half in the third quarter and punch them in the mouth. Like yeah. that's what needs to happen. So that was that was the feel. Uh, so we're at halftime right now. Let me take a quick break right here. All right, and let's look at the big picture. All right, let's look at let's look at some of the let's look at some of the notes from like the game because we're we're already talking about this game as if we've already ta- we've already seen it right. So, Andy, how many how many notes like big game like records and stuff do you think was set in this game? Overall, the oh. the full game or the half? The full game. Oh well, definitely the longest pass play from scrimmage. Um, I imagine that. Garbers is probably getting up there for production. Mm, six. Six? Well, in terms of the big game records, two were set. All right. So the longest first pass play. Longest pass play. And Cal set a big game record of 636 yards of total offense. Cal's previous big game best was 560 yards in 1993, while Stanford had 603 yards in 2013. The total yards were the most for the Bears since Cal also had 636 yards of total offense against Oregon in 2016. I remember the 2013 vividly. Yeah. Andrew Luck was yeah. unstoppable. Stoppable. Yep. Uh, some other fun stats here. Cal rushed for a season-high 352 yards. It's the most the Golden Bears have rushed for uh, since they had 431 against Washington in 2008, which was, of course, the Javi game where he ran for, I think, like, what, like five touchdowns by himself? <laughs> um, <laughs> the this was the last time Cal rushed for more than 300 yards was at Oregon State in 2018, which, of course, that was a, that was a fun game to watch, too. Um, yeah, so those are, those are some fun ones. And also, with two touchdown passes, Garbers has increased his total to a career-best 16 in 2021. He had 14 touchdown passes as a 2018 redshirt freshman and 2019 as a sophomore. Garbers now has 50 touchdown passes, which ties him for sixth all-time at Cal with friend of the pod, Kevin Riley. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. He's going to be so high in the Cal record books in so many different places. Uh, He also has uh, ninth Ninth in career, or no, he had the ninth in his career 250-yard passing game, which also ties him on ninth on the passing list of career games of 250-yards passing games with Justin Vetter and Nate Longshore. And uh, uh, this is a kind of sad one, but that pick that he threw uh, when he was throwing it to Nico, that was... uh, that was the end of his streak of 126 passes thrown before he threw a pick. It's too bad. Yeah. It was just a weird pass. He, he like just underthrew it. So underthrown. Yeah. It was hard to understand. I know at the time it was confusing. Like there are folks out there wondering if Nico ran the wrong route. But luckily it didn't matter. And why was that? Because the second half comes around and we punched him in the mouth. All right, take us through the third quarter. All right, so we we get we we come out, we get the ball back to start, and it leads to a 
How many yards is this? We go from the 25 down to the Stanford six and we kick a 24 yard field goal. So now we're up 17, three. Was that the one where we pushed ourselves back or is that the next drive? I can't remember. That's the next drive. Okay. So we get it down to the six Mm -hmm. and was, did this involve Kokoa's throw or no? Yes, this involved Kiko's throw. Kiko Crawford, pass complete to number 80, Trayvon Clark for 34 yards. Trick play. Okay, and quick timeout. Did <laughs> you watch the replay, right? Yeah. I I, I was debating. I'm going to say it on the pod, but I'm not going to tweet it because I was going to tweet it, and then I was like, I really like Ted Robinson. He was a great tennis announcer, and I thought he was – never really appreciated with the Niners as much as he should have been. However, I think he is a Stanford fan. (laughs) You're not the first person to say that. I just, the way he announces things, so that pass, he basically announced it as incomplete. Yeah. And it was like, you know, and and then he, of course, corrected it. But there were just a couple of times when... Stanford would make a play and it felt like he was more comfortable calling Stanford making that play. Maybe it's from watching years of Stanford win the big game, but like it was one of those things I was watching. I'm like, is this real or am I just making a bigger deal out of, out of nothing? And, but anyways, you know, he's a, seems like a great dude from all closed circles. I, I've heard it. That is the case. However, I couldn't help fighting that just throughout the whole broadcast. I'm like, damn, these are huge plays, and you would expect the kind of announcing to go with it. And even on the the Trev, like the dude, I keep calling Trev like Trayvon Trevin. I've been calling him Trevin Clark his whole career, so I'm just gonna stick with it. Trevin Clark. <laughs> True stubbornness coming through. Even on that play, like it was like, oh, and Garbers might have six here. And, like, it was... But <laughs> I was so confused. Like, shouldn't that be... Like, shouldn't you be announcing, like, Clark catching the ball and running it? Like, it was just wild to me. Like, it didn't make sense. And I was confused. And then, like, there were a couple of plays defensively that Stanford would make and be like... It would be like, oh, that could really be a big play for Stanford right there. I'm like, dude, are you even, like... the gate? It's like... 17 to 3 or like 20 to 3 right now like this isn't even close (laughs) so anyways no I think you're right I think uh he does give like the benefit of the doubt to Stanford a little bit and like is like just calls it the other way for Cal then it's just okay correcting himself afterwards yes um it had that definitely did that with Kokoa yeah but uh, that's not the only trick play we saw today. So uh, we're we're gonna we're, we'll we'll stick a pin in that. We're gonna come back and talk to that, talk about that. Uh, so we're up seventeen three. Then Stanford drives. Uh, they basically get nothing after one first down, and uh, the ball comes back to us. Oh, because Tanner McKee also uh, is called for intentional grounding, which amazing. Um, <laughs> amazingly hilarious that's what you get from a five-star quarterback right there intentional grounding uh and then cal starts the drive and this is the one where we shoot ourselves in the foot and we still score so chase runs her five then christopher books 
explodes for a 75 yard pass i'm still upset that he didn't have just that little bit more juice to get mm-hmm. into the end zone he had the separation but i think it was caillou blue kelly no no it was a uh, it was williamson who caught up to him um and he just he just didn't have that just that one more like half a gear is what he needed to get in the end zone but it but it's fine because we're down to the stanford 17 start when we started off at the cal eight uh and then Garbers passes to Nico, which is a touchdown, but it's negated because there's an unnecessary roughness on Romy, um, which I think I'm going to be real unbiased here was the right call. He kind of dove at the the defensive lineman when the defensive lineman was already on the ground. Um, They called that Marcel runs for five. Then we got called for a false start on Ben Coleman. So we go back five Garbers passes Dancy for five and then Tonjus for 10. And then it sets up the 34-yard field goal from Dario, and we're up 20-3. to Okay. Now, flashing you, Avi, Nam, Nick, Rico, what's the mood? 20-3. to I think all of us agreed. All of us agreed. At that moment in time, one more score ices this. Three... A th- another field goal like is good enough but another seven is probably the nail in the coffin and that's what we were that's what we were saying all of us agreed okay so still some nerves a little bit yeah I mean 20 to 3 it's not that big a deal right it's a 17 point game with still uh, let's see a little more than the half, like another quarter remaining. Yeah. So, all right. So it's 20 to three and Stanford has the ball. That's where we're at. We are a tortured bunch. We are. We are a tortured bunch. Mm-hmm. 20 to three. And we're like, ah, kids all right. Not enough. Not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Can't, be Can't be happy yet. Not okay, yet. cool. Well, good to know that our Cal pessimism <laughs> or cautious optimism, whichever way you want to look at it, is still flowing strong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then, so Stanford drives, and they punt. Um, This is hilarious. All right, so Tanner McKee passes to Eurosec for 11 yards. Then Tanner McKee passes, so they get their first down there. Then uh, he passes to Austin Jones, which is incomplete, but there's a penalty on Bimage um, for roughing the passer call. So that's 15 yards. So it's down to the Cal 42. So they're in I Cal. Like that one. They're all in Cal territory. Then, do the, you think that was roughing the passer? I didn't think so. I think the way that the refs were calling the game, they were going to call that as a roughing the passer. If it was any normal game, I don't think they would have called it. I don't think was it roughing the passer or they, they said it was going low on a quarterback. It's it's the same. It's one of the same rule. Like what they're what they'll say is roughing the passer. Um, I did not like it. Yeah, but continue on. Yeah, I didn't like the call either. But then again, in the in the bigger scheme of things, it didn't really matter because that Nathaniel Pete would run for one yard and then he would run for zero yards and then Tanner McKee would pass to Humphreys uh, for. No catch because of the man, the growing legend, Mr. Lou Hearns. And then uh, Stanford would punt. Back to us. Of course. They're on R41. 
They're down 17 points. Third and nine. And, of course, David Shaw looks the punt. Oh, this was so sweet. Just just the chef's kiss. And then... And then the, and then the start this drive, it's another... Uh, it's another trick play. It's the hook and ladder. Pass out to Nico. And then on the end around is Dancy. And Nico tosses it to Dancy on the lateral. And Dancy goes for four yards. Beautiful. More trick plays. I love it. And then the ensuing play right after that on second and six on the Cal 24. Marcel Dancy led by a pulling McCade Metower absolutely pancakes the dude and and puts him seven feet under the ground and Dancy is off to the races on a 60 set or on a 76 yard touchdown run doesn't get caught boosters engaged and now the Bears are up 27-3 epic ball game <laughs> that's the ball game that was the ball. I mean and I for Dancy, in a couple, I think like Nam mentioned this, Nick mentioned this. Dancy has had so many of those plays this year. Whether it was against Colorado, he had that big uh, touchdown. I think they ruled his knee down. Yeah. Then against Oregon State, same. There was another penalty on, on a big score from him. And Dancy is as stand up as they come. He's taken on the Patrick Laird legacy and to just have him be the one to get that moment especially to get in the big game because I'm sure it was frustrating to have those called back especially just running back and like largely things that weren't related you know the knee being down is important but we didn't think that was a definitive call whatsoever when they overturned that and uh, I'm just so happy for him that play to be one of those guys that has a play in a game like that that can ice a big game and really just set off what I would imagine to be the party in Sanford Stadium for all the Cal fans. Yep. That's pure deliciousness. That's when it started. That's when the party started. Um it was like, oh, it's it's coming home. The axe is coming home. And uh yeah, this is this is when the party started. Cause look at this, Andy. Look at the score. Look at the score. Twenty-seven to three, right? The Bears still scored another fourteen points. <laughs> like we're up twenty, we're up twenty-four to we're up twenty-four points, and we still scored another fourteen. We did. What we don't always do, which is we kept <laughs> running. We ran it up. Yep. We kept pouring it on. And I want to know, was the when this touchdown was scored by Dancy, did you guys celebrate the first to 21, or did we let that tradition retire? No, we celebrated it. <laughs> Absolutely did. Absolutely did. The rule of 21 lives. The rule of 21. The lives. rule of 21 lives. Um, I mean, we're going to go through the game first, and then we have a lot to, like, hash out afterwards. So let's just keep it rolling, all right? Let's move into the fourth quarter. They come out, and or they continue their drive from the end of the third into the fourth, and they 
they score a touchdown and uh off of a pass interference call which I think you could have gone either way with uh but they did call it on uh Drayden and it's the ball keeps moving and they score the touchdown off an Austin Jones run which was just like a pile mover and then they also go for two and the score becomes 27-11 uh fun story fun story right here 27 11 they score i turn around i look at nam and he looks at me and he goes i don't have a good feeling about this <laughs> true true story <laughs> nam looks at me and he goes i don't have a good feeling about this i was like i i get where you're coming from but i'm feeling it's pretty out of hand um <laughs> and then and then cal starts his drive on the Stanford 39 because because they go for an onside kick and it the the ball doesn't even touch the ground it just like he just chips it out of bounds at the 50 and so Cal starts its drive on the Stanford 39 and we weren't ready for it dude we weren't at all we were no oh we I sorry we, we weren't sorry I'm saying we weren't yeah, we're not. We weren't in the slightest. No, but it was <laughs> also, it was also the worst straight out of it's the worst onside kick I'd ever I'd ever seen. Um, and so Cal starts on the, on the Stanford thirty nine because I believe it's where the ball goes out, and then I think it's a fifteen penalty fifteen yard penalty on top of that, so it gets us into Stanford territory. Chris Brooks runs for one. Uh, Remigio runs for twenty seven, uh, and then Dancy runs for nine. Dancy runs for two and gets the touchdown. Beautiful. This was the jet sweep. Right. I believe. Yep. Or this was... No, this... Was this the speed option? Sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah, this was... Speed yeah, option. this was the speed option. So we get... Out to the right yeah, side. We get down to... We get down to their 11... And then Dancy runs for nine. We run up to the stand for two, and we run a speed option. And I, I was talking to Trace about this, or was it Nam? And we were both saying how um, Chase could have, have lured in the end a little bit more before he pitched it. Um, but either way, he still pitched it, and Dancy had enough space and the speed to get to the edge uh, and to, to score. So Cal 34. Stanford 11. And the party's like, now we're like really started, right? It's like really good. The students moving down to the lower bowl. When did that take place? About about the six minute mark before the game ended. Okay. So right around was uh, right around. Not that touchdown. No, no. Right around the uh, the, the last touchdown. Yeah. Right around the Chris Street touchdown, maybe halfway through that, halfway through that sequence. Or that drive is probably when you started to see everyone start funneling down. Of course, Stanford fans leaving and us seeing the na-na-na-na, hey-hey, goodbye, uh, and jingling keys at all the Stanford fans that were leaving the stadium. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was glorious. It was absolutely... We were, glorious. Our group of guys, we were sitting in between like a bunch of Stanford fans. Like There weren't a lot of Cal fans around us because we were on the opposite side of the field. Like We were on the same end zone. Uh, we were sitting in the same end zone. But the majority of the Cal band and, and the like where the Cal Athletics Department like sold their tickets was on one side, and then we were on the other side of that end zone. Uh, and so, yeah, everyone just started funnel down uh, right around the halfway mark of that next drive. So I'll continue. Stanford drives. They don't do anything. 
uh, and they punt 45 yards. Then Cal gets the ball, and this was actually a fun drive because we know the game is in hand. They started to throw on all of these guys that hadn't played in a long time. No, no quarterback change, but Garbers completes the pass to Tonjes for 14 yards, gets the first down. Then we see Chris Street run for one yard, then 19 yards, then one yard. Then to Carlos Brooks runs for another 10 yards. And then and then we had the last trick play of the game. We're up 34-11, by the way. And on the Stanford 17 on third and one, what does Marcel or what does Bill Musgrave call? He throws a running back pass to the tight end. And Marcel Dancy throws a Dick Chondish at the end of, at the back of the end zone. It's a little too high and it's incomplete. But that's there's the third trick play of the day. So we had the wide receiver to wide receiver pass or the double pass. Uh, we also had the the hook and ladder, and then now we have this running back to tight end pass. Um, but right after that, it's fourth and one. But Garbers passes to freshman tight end Kaleki Latu for twelve yards. My son, my son has arrived. I screamed out. I screamed out. Latu. <laughs> uh, and then, and then on first and goal on the Stanford five, Chris Street. Touchdown street. Five yards. The Bears are up 41 to 11. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And wow. now everyone is coming down onto the field level. We were we were about five rows up from one of the gates. Um, and so, like, there was a... It, I have a video on my Twitter account of, like, the, the guys rushing the field and all the all of the students and fans. Um, but you see, like, how close we were. And, like, you can just imagine how they were all huddled up, like, right at the gate waiting for the game to end. Uh, but the last, like, two, two, three drives, like, it doesn't... It doesn't really matter, right? Tanner McKee is still out there, and he gets his pass intercepted by Colin Gamble. Um, lazy, lazy pass, by the way, on there. Colin Gamble goes... This was the cool part about that Colin Gamble interception is as soon as they intercepted it and he goes down and the play's dead, you see the entire defense run over to where the Cal band is standing, which is on the Cal sideline. So, and they start celebrating with all the people in the stands, like just from the field and like looking up at them. And it was, uh, it was one of those moments where they can't call, uh, like an unsportsmanlike conduct or anything like that. Cause they're off the field already. Right. They're celebrating with their own like cheerleaders and, and fan base. So 
it was like super cool that they did that. Um, and then they like went back to their sideline. Cal starts its drive. You see walk on Ashton Stredick. There's also a clip. Uh, Peter has it on his uh, Twitter Twitter page of when uh, Aristotle Thompson goes over to him and tells him that he's going to he's getting some snaps. And you just see like the pure joy on his teammates faces. Uh, the other running backs just like, you know, slapping his like shoulder and like hyping him up and getting him ready. Uh, and you see the smile on his face. He goes on and he shows some incredible, incredible burst, right? Garbers rushes for four, then Stratic rushes for eight. Um, then Stratic rushes for zero. Cal calls a timeout. They put in Robbie Rowell. Chase is taken off. Robbie Rowell gets sacked for four yards. Um, the O-line didn't do him any help on that one. <laughs> uh, and then zero yeah. help on that play. And then Stanford rushes for three and then two, and the time runs out, and Cal... In the 124th big game, reclaims the axe after giving it up during that COVID year game. And now the fans are on the field. Jubilation. Yeah, really a miss, missed extra point away from three straight years winning the big game. Mm-hmm. Well, we still won back to back in Stanford. Back to back at Stanford. At Stanford. Yep. yep. I mean, no better feeling, right? Uh, maybe then, I don't know. Is it better to win at home or is it better to take it away when it's... It's better to take you know, it away. you're on the road. I think it's better to take it away at Stanford and then better to keep it at home, right? I think that's yeah. what you want. So next year is yeah. going to be huge. Next year will be huge. But let me run you through some uh, some fun individual notes. There's a, There's so many notes from this game, man. Christopher Brooks had a career-long 75-yard run in the third quarter. Finished with 13 carries, 131 yards, his fourth career 100 game, and the first he's had uh, since he had three in 2019. He is as well as the second highest rushing total of his career. Marcel Dancy, of course, a career long 76 yard run for a touchdown. That's Cal's longest run since uh, since and finished with four carries, 92 yards, and two rushing touchdowns, which is also a career high. Cal had three plays of 75-plus yard runs, or, yeah, 75-plus yard runs, which marks the first time that's happened since the data is readily available since 2007. So it's never happened. I mean, who knows when it happened before. Um, Cal has had at least two uh, runs of at least 75 or more, and that happened in 2008 against Washington State. Cameron Good, 1.5 sacks. In this game, so he had six and a half to the year. He has 20 to his career, which puts him ninth on the all-time Cal's Bear, Cal Bears list. Lou Maggia Hearns III registered his first career interception on the first series of the game. Also finished with a career-high four pass breakups, equal to the most by a Cal player in 2021. Isaiah Young has four against Oregon State. Nate Richetta posted a career-high 10 tackles. Colin Gamble recorded the first interception of his career. Mo Iasefa had a career-high tackles for loss, two. Daniel Scott tied a career-high for tackles for loss. Uh, Nick Alton and Elijah Maharo posted career highs with two tackles. Ryan Puskas and Isaiah Young tied career highs with two stops. Raymond Woody tied a career Cal career high with two tackles. J. Michael Sturdivant recorded his first career tackle. Uh, Kiko Crawford completed a 35-yard pass to Trayvon Clark. That was the first pass attempt of Crawford's six-year collegiate career. 
Nico Remigio's 27-yard run in the fourth was the longest of his career. Chris Street scored his first collegiate touchdown. Daniel, Dario Longhetto had career highs of eight kickoffs and 428 yards of kickoffs. Josh Drayden broke Cal's career record for games played. He was tied for the lead at 52 with Sid Khan Thompson, but now with playing 53, he is the sole lead. It's so cool. I love that one. Valentino Daltoso played his 45th game at Cal and started at right tackle for his 44th all-time start. Since his 2017 arrival at Cal, Daltoso has made at least 10 starts at four different positions on the offensive line. Elijah Hicks was a game captain for the fourth time this season. Daniel Edder and Robbie Rowell made their 2021 season debuts. And last but not least, Nam receipt guy Caleb Higgins made his Cal debut on special teams in today's game. There's a lot of young guys that played mm-hmm. in this game. And especially on the offensive side of the ball, that's super exciting. I think we're going to miss Christopher Brooks next year. He's been a huge, huge player since we've started playing our best football. Well, that's and if he he's leaves. He's been a big part of that. He can wow. he can come back. COVID. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Dude, they need to like mark that when I'm looking at the damn sheets. They marked that in the I think they marked that on the you know the roster sheets we get? No, dude, it's not marked. You know the roster sheets we get when we're at Memorial? They, it's marked there. Well, it says like COVID year. I if he chooses not to say, I think that's a big someone that I that will miss, mm-hmm. but what a game to be able to rotate in some of those guys and Robbie Rao got minutes. <laughs> Let's go. I mean, what a time, what a time to be alive. <laughs> I mean, this game, this game, like now we can just talk about like everything, just our general thoughts and everything, right? Like I, before the game started, I, I was talking to, I was talking to Trace earlier in the week and I was talking to Nam when I picked him up at the, when I picked him up on Friday night, I said, guys, this is the first time in a while where a blowout seems like a plausible result. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you could probably convince me that it is in the realm of possibility of it happening. Like not one of those like fluke blowouts of like, you know, it's just everything goes wrong for Stanford, but like just an absolute like we come out of the gate and throw the haymaker and we know from the get-go that it's going to be one of those games. It wasn't like that in the first quarter, but starting the second quarter, we established ourselves. And, like, we scored double-digit points in every quarter outside the first. Scored zero in the first, and then 14 in the second, 13 in the third, and then another 14 in the fourth. Like, we trampled them. Like, embarrassed them out of their own home stadium. Um, And it was... It was absolutely incredible to watch. Like I have, I, I, I mean, I have never seen a big game like that. Like you, maybe you can attest to your uh, Cal history, which is longer than mine. Like when's the last time, like, I think they said 2003 was the last time Cal has won a big game uh, by 30 points or more. I feel like we won one big game in, uh, what was it? Was it 07? Didn't we lose we it? That. Didn't we lose the big? Didn't we lose the Axe in 07? Gosh, maybe. I think we. Let's see. We, I think we lost it our freshman year. Because we went set six of we went five of six to end the season, right after the Oregon State loss. 
Yeah. Like we lost I five mean, games out of the six. Brutal. Yeah. And I think. All right. Um, series history. Just give me a second. Um, all right. Pulling up the game results yeah. here. I mean. So. Oh my gosh. Stanford won 20 to 13. So, oh, okay. So 2006. Cal won 27 to 3 in 2005. Cal won 41 to 6 in 2004. Okay, so 2004. I mean, 27 to 3 is pretty significant blowout. <laughs> 24 points? Yeah. And then, sorry, 08, we won 37 to 16. Yeah, I mean, but that, yeah, that's not, that's not a 30 point difference, though. It's not, it's still, but it's 21. Yeah. I mean, it's, so like, yes, that's not a, I think 27 to three, you could say is pretty, pretty yeah. significant. 41 to six, definitely. But yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't happen often. And, you know, as some of the things I was thinking about, I had this interesting, you know, Nick's column, he, he, so this might be a little off topic, but so Nick's <laughs> column, he hyperlinked a, when he was talking about the trick plays, hyperlinked a link that went back to our famous punt, fake punt in the Sunny Dykes era. Ah, oh, lovely. And I looked at the score of that game and it was 28 to two, 28 to two. And I remember that some, some folks who could rename nameless, cause that's totally fine on Twitter mentioning to me that they miss some aspects of the Dykes era. And I think people get confused why I like Wilcox so much. And it's because we play competitive football day in and day out. And these blowouts, when they come, damn, are they satisfying? And we don't get them that often. And sure, it would be great if we had them more. But we also aren't really at, on the other side of that very often in his tenure. And when I think about the big game and the progression to the point that we're at, yes, Stanford is a bad, bad football team, but we don't lose to them. We don't play down to our opponent right now. And that's the thing that I look at where I am thrilled about. And if there was any additional evidence needed that Arizona would have been an absolute smash fest had we had our full roster, I mean, this is obviously, you know, the, the evidence... I don't think anybody needed, but it's there for you if you, if for whatever reason you did. <laughs> so I look at this and say, you got the big game win. We have the axe back. The season has been wildly weird. And I can't help but feel a bit robbed by the Arizona game and that ruining the you know, preciseness of a prediction of seven wins this year. <laughs> I mean, from your perspective, you can point to a lot. You can point to the Washington, like, uh, what's it, overtime game? Like, I know. You can point you to can all point those, to but I point to Arizona. I mean, those are the most because winnable. Yeah. It's the most winnable, and it's the most, in my opinion, out of your control. Yep. Right? The other games, we were we had our full team, and we prevented ourselves from winning. But the Arizona game, you had, you know, COVID. And you know, to, some, to some degree, that's outside of a program's control. So I still look at that, and I texted you, I think. I was like, damn, that, 
that Arizona game, and you have really good perspective on it. So maybe you want to share a little bit about where your head's at. But for me, that's that's where I'm at. I'm like, all right, be, we got UCLA is good. Like this next game, this is a test. This is a test for the defense. This is a test for the offense. Like UCLA has a good football team. USC, we should honestly beat USC the same way we beat Stanford. So <laughs> to me. The season rides on this next game against UCLA, and that scares me. I mean, which it does, because we don't have room for error, right? We can't lose any more games and still make a bowl game. Um, yep. So that's that's where we're at. Um, but let me rewind you a little bit, right? I'm going to go back in time a little bit further. Let me, talk to you, let me talk to you about, like, the pregame atmosphere. Because we've had tailgates there, um, but, like, this year we had we merged two different tailgates and it was i i would have to say it was it it felt really emotional at this particular tailgate and i'm i feel like i'm i'm feeling more emotional thinking back on it now because like we were robbed of this for a year right and to come back and to be at the tailgate and everyone walking by um all the people and we we happened to park right next to or the tailgate was set up right next to like the walkway for where like the student section bus stops and like they have to walk through the parking lot to get to the stadium and like all these Cal fans walking by us we're having a grand old time um and like all of the people that we know like that have other tailgates like they're all coming by to stop like you know namely um you know Shannon and um her dad came down and she hung out with us at the tailgate and sat with us uh Grant Merrick SF Gate and former Cal rivals um, came by and, and drank with us and, and enjoyed the, the pregame. And, and uh, we had a joint tailgate with not only our guys, but also uh, Sean, um, who's a dear friend of ours, uh, is a, was a former player at Miami. Uh, but his tailgate, uh, we made sure like to park right next to ours, and we kind of had a double tailgate going. And um, it was really cool. It was absolutely cool just to like – Every time you like see someone, like you give them a big old hug, because uh, you hadn't seen them in a couple like in years. As a matter of fact, right? We haven't some people we haven't seen since like 2019, um, and just all of that. And then added to that was like me, Avi, and Nam. Like we had to walk over to like from the media parking lot. We like walked over to where our tailgate was, and we're like walking through, and we're also having to like check in at this like vaccine tent to get. Um, like these wristbands just to verify our vaccine. So we don't have to do that when we get to the gate and people recognizing us um, off of whether it be our sweaters or, or whatever it may be. And, and just like connecting with people face to face versus like just interacting with them on Twitter. And you're like, Oh wow. Like this isn't just like a, like an internet thing. Like these are actually real people <laughs> um, and just people coming by. And then, you know, after the game and we're on the field and um, we run into Sid and her sister, we take a picture um, and there's just a bunch of people that, that we ran into on the field uh, and like guys coming up and giving us hugs, like seeing Matt Ha, um, seeing uh, BMAC, who's the recruiting director on the team. And like, just, that's actually the first time BMAC and I ever met. And uh, he just gives me the huge, like the, biggest hug of all time um on the fifth yard line and uh and then who else uh just just a crap ton of people um 
that we like got to that we just like caught up with and nam i remember this distinctly uh we're we're seeing all the young kids like waiting at the gate and they were, people were like oh let's let's go up there too and i was like you know what like let's just let them go like we don't need to be a part of that like mass that runs onto the 50 and you know part of me was i don't want to get trampled <laughs> that was mostly my my uh my perspective on it but uh i was like hey i mean we'll get onto the field like but do we have to we don't have to be in that mosh pit we've already we already did that in 2019 um and wow so veteran of you <laughs> so good it's getting old on us folks so it's getting good. old um but the one line that nam said to me that still sticks is like when and pardon me if i get a little emotional here is um we lost like some dear friends during covid right we lost you know my buddy mikey we lost larry and um nam i think mostly talking about larry was these moments are so so dear and we don't know how many moments of these we have left and to be here to savor it to be a part of this family um and to experience that together was just like such a huge thing and i and i think stepping back letting everyone like run onto the field us like getting onto the field and taking pictures and all that but just kind of taking in from the outside and just being like this is this feels great um but there's also some of us that aren't here anymore. Like we, t- there's a picture, like my Twitter profile picture now is like of me, Nam, uh, Avi, and Nick. Which, thank if Matt Hot's listening to this, thank you, Matt, for taking that picture. Um, but like we took somewhat of a similar photo in 2019 on the field, and that one had Larry, um, and this one didn't. And it was just uh, like we still got a churro during the game as the churro to victory. Um, but yeah, it, there's something. There was something like I don't know if cathartic is the right word, but like something full, maybe a little feeling of full circle of like everything that we've been through during the pandemic. Um, but it was just that moment of like all of us were here and we're all experiencing the exact same thing. And that, I'm not just talking about the people that were in our group, but just like all the Cal fans in the stadium, right? Like just what this victory means, how this victory happened the the score of the game um and we caught up with ashley adamson after the game too and she was like i don't think i've ever seen like justin wilcox like that emotional like there were there was a couple moments where he choked up and i i mean i can only imagine right being a coach who's in that is in that position and you know you're struggling to get wins and then over your rival you get this emphatic of a victory like hell yeah like all everything that you know that was uh people were were nagging you about that goes thrown out the door when you do that in a rivalry game. Um, so yeah, that was really long winded. Uh, but the, that was just really nice and good perspective, like being there on the field, like over however long. And we were the last ones to leave the stadium. Uh, cause we were there talking to Ashley Adamson and we actually got to meet Shane Vereen. Um, so yeah, uh, that is my spiel about, uh, what it was like being on the field and, and at the game. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think that it was one of those, I even had a moment where I was like, definitely about to tweet out, like, make sure someone has a damn churro, right? (laughs) Um, And yeah, Nam's perspective is perfect. Those, Those games, whether it be big game or 
just the, the few games that you do get generally at home and then away are you only get a few and you only get a few that everybody can attend and then even fewer of those you get to enjoy in a winning fashion and it certainly means a lot when you get to experience the win and i know that 2019 was almost an exorcism of sorts Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and this it just doesn't matter like that this is one of those things that i you know know, a slightly different subject is like you could have a shit season but if you win the big game there's a lot of people that are just like damn that was dope (laughs) (laughs) you know it's just it's like we could conceivably go four and eight this year but one of the four was an emphatic blowout of stanford and i'm like "Eh." (laughs) like yeah i've got some things to work on but I'll take it. I think uh, that's the power of this game. This game matters so much. It feels like the season really is won or lost by beating your biggest rival. And there were many years where that didn't happen. So to have these moments, you know, you're talking about moments in life that don't come around all that often. And uh, and and that's what makes being a Cal fan special in a lot of ways. Absolutely, you know, it's if you're an Oregon fan or if you're a fan of another program that has a more winning program. Perfect example. I found out that my aunt and uncle both went to Washington. I had no idea, which tells you a lot about my family. But I had no idea. So they tell me they're like, "Yeah, we've been to four Rose Bowls," <laughs> and I laughed out loud, out loud. I was like, four? What a life you must have!" <laughs> right. And so, sure, they have those, but in some ways, when you're a, when you're the program that hasn't been there, and it when you do get there, there's nothing better. And I think that some of these wins, it'll take a lot of success for Cal to get me to the point where I'm like, oh, another big game win. I, I, it just doesn't really happen that give way. Me, it yeah. always matters. Give me a 10-year streak, and maybe I'll feel that way. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think that's that's what exactly the same thing Nam was saying in the car ride home was just uh, these wins matter more because of how small of a fan base we are. Because we know, we know what every, like at least the people that interact with us on Twitter and in person, like we know what these wins mean to them. Uh, we know what it means to what we think is probably the more vocal uh, majority of the Cal fandom. And um, and just all of us being like unison in that, there, you can't you can't take that away. Um, I tweeted that and like weirdly got like over like a hundred likes <laughs> on that on my Twitter account, which I was very shocked by. It wasn't weird at all. I was. I didn't think it, it was well it, said. I, I didn't think it was going to be like. I didn't think it was going to explode like that. Um, but it did. Um, but yeah, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can check my Twitter feed. <laughs> you can find it. Um, it's too. It's too cringy for me to read it on here. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, God. All right. So we have some superstitions now. All right. Um. We're 2-0 inside Stanford Stadium 
when Nam has a pocket dog. And what I mean by pocket dog is that he has a hot dog that's stashed either in his pocket of his pants, like his jeans, like just in a pocket, or in the pocket of his jacket. 2-0. and We're also 3-0, and or, yeah, we're also 3-0 and when I drive Nam to a Cal game we're attending. Um, and I believe we're also 3-0 and this season when we drink Malort before the game. Malort is the real key. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, my God. It's so bad. Did you have it again? Yeah, I did. But it's so Ugh. bad. Where is Brian getting this? He, like, from? orders a case from Chicago. <laughs> um, But we had it. We had it for the Oregon State game. We had it for... Uh, what other game did we have it for? We had it for the big game. We had it for one more game before that. Which game was it? Colorado. Oh yeah, Colorado was the first time we had it. Yeah, so we're three and zero. We're three and zero when we have Malort before the game. So we can blame Brian. That's the reason we lost Arizona because we didn't have Malort before the game. Um. We would have needed a lot more than Malort to carry us through that. You never know. You never know. You never know. Uh, but man, just what a what a feeling. Like I watched the game. I rewatched the game on Monday and I was still like, because, you know, I was watching from the field. Like, as I said, I was like five rows up from uh, like the the gate to the field. So like we didn't have good looks at a lot of these plays. And to watch it yeah. on TV, like to be able to re- like rewind and watch certain plays develop, I was like, I don't have any issues with how the game was called. I don't have any issues with any of the play decisions. Like, I don't, I don't. Like, I mean, we can nitpick and we can be like, oh, there was a blown coverage there, or if they fill the wrong, like, you know, gap on the run here, or, you know, the, the, ru- the route was a little shallow, or the route was a little too deep here, but... Like big picture, I don't have any issues with this game, which is like crazy to me that the it, it that the game that we I don't have the most issue with in terms of coaching is this season's big game. It's it's mind boggling. Yeah. It's the trend, dude. It's the trend. This game to me was the culmination of what we've been saying. It's we've been what we've been looking for and investing in is progression. And we've been looking at that over the course of the last month and saying this defense is getting better. The younger players are getting better. The offense is getting better. The offense is looking more complete. The offense is also getting harder to defend. All of these things are highly, highly, highly investable right now. And that's what I would look at. It's like, this is a program that arguably should be on the back of five straight wins, right? Or four straight mm-hmm. wins. Sorry. Four straight wins. There's few hotter teams in the country. So it's going to be really interesting to go into UCLA. But the core of this program is moving in a really solid direction. And if I am pitching that to a recruit, it is, you know, yeah, we had some weird stuff happen. Who didn't? We're coming out of a pandemic, still in a pandemic. And, you know, the beginning of the season was some of that. But now with this going into next season, you know, this is something that you're going to want to be here for. 
and we're going to return a lot of players. I'm really excited about where we're going. Even if I end up having, you know, if we ended up going four and eight, I'd be pretty surprised. But uh, even still, I think that you start, you've started to see and build a belief in what they've been selling. There are, there is some evidence now of this greater picture that Wilcox and Co have been pitching to us for a few years. You know, the Wisconsin of the West. <laughs> Hey, we're running the ball like them now. Yep. Well, Andy, we've talked about the game. We've talked about our perspectives. We talked about superstitions. We talked about our emotional side of the game. What we haven't done is gone to the people. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We haven't gone to the fans. And you know why? Because everyone who replied with their takes, whatever it may be, or questions, was going to be put into a raffle for home field apparels, right? Yep. And we got a bunch. So we got to run through all of this. You ready to do this? Let's do it. All right, let's run at the top. All right, I'm just going to go through it like order by order. Not real, uh, no real, like, you know, any agenda here. All right, first one, of course, is our dear friend Sid, who we saw at the game. Hi, Sid. How you doing? Um, this was my first big game win that I was, that I was most importantly, one, in attendance, and two, I can actually remember. Safe to say this was a huge highlight for me. Which play impressed you the most, offense or defense, and how are you feeling about UCLA? Well, damn. Congratulations, Sid. That's awesome. Biggest play for me was, I think the coolest play was the Trevin Clark like catch from Garbers on that mm-hmm. route. And then just hearing the two of them talk through kind of what they saw in that mm-hmm. play, what they had practiced, knowing that they had had it if they basically completed the pass and, and that it was going to be a touchdown. Just awesome. And as far as UCLA goes, I expect it to be a competitive football game. I don't know. <laughs> UCLA dropped 60-plus points on USC, and but they have a very gettable defense. And uh, they've been a tricky opponent for us the last few seasons in regards to trying to figure them out. I, I find myself very confused as to what I, we should expect coming into Saturday. I mean, UCLA is overall... Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I was just going to say, UCLA's also never played a defense like ours. Yeah. Defense wins championships. That old mantra. I mean, the defensive matchup, I think we win. The offensive matchup... You know, sorry. So, defense to defense, we're better. Offense to offense... They might have a slight edge, but that's the thing about this new version of Cal, right? Since October hit, this offense is pretty damn good. So 
if we can continue to control the ball, pace the game, do those type of things. I think UCLA is a winnable football game. I just expect it to be close. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. I would concur. All right. So Sid gets her thing. I I will say the one play that impressed me the most is uh, Lou Hearns' pass breakup. Not his interception, but there was one play, pass breakup on the sideline where he like he just like flicks his wrist at the ball and just taps the ball out of the receiver's hands. And I thought that for me, that was like the, it, from an individual play standpoint, absolutely outstanding. Like to be able to make that. And he's undersized too at playing against some of those bigger uh, Stanford wide receivers played out of his damn mind was absolutely amazing. Good pick. All right. We got our next one. All right. We're moving on. So Sid is one of the people that, that is into the raffle. Next one, Gerardo. Uh, I can't, I'm not going to say your last name cause I'm going to picture it. Uh, do you feel like we open the playbook a little too much, especially with the trick plays instead of saving some for next week, feeling good about the running back room for the next few years? Where has Jeremiah Hunter been? <laughs> well, I can answer the last one about Jeremiah Hunter. He was yeah, what do you, he what was do you suited up for the game, um, but I believe he wasn't like 100% ready to go. So if he was suited up but he wasn't playing, probably means that they would have they could have used him if someone else had gotten injured, um, but they didn't necessarily want to risk him being out there. That's good. He was also in the Arizona game, and but we don't talk about that yeah, we game. don't. Uh, but what do you? I don't think I don't think you could possibly, you know, have showed too much of the playbook. If we're talking about the trick plays, I don't know. The halfback pass wasn't exactly gonna work. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I think the things that it to me, what opening that up does is it forces UCLA's defense to have to account mm-hmm. for it and therefore ends up being something that can be used. It adds complexity when trying to come up with your game script against Cal. What are they going to do here? Are we going to run a double reverse? Are we going to have our wide receiver pass it? Or, you know, what does this formation mean? Because we've seen now that you know, Cal can do three different looks out of the same formation. It just forces the other team to guess more. I don't think it's something where we expose too much. I imagine they probably have a lot more, and we've probably seen just very little of it. And that's the thing that you hear a lot in the press conferences after the game is, yeah, no, like we practice that all the time. Like, how many times do we hear that? We see a big player, we're like, whoa, where'd that come from? They're like, yeah, we practice it all the time. That's just the thing. We don't get to see it and see the practices. Um, but Rob, what do you, what do you think? I think you're. I think you're right. I think um, it's one of those things where you also I mean, people also forget that teams also self scout, which means that not only do you scout the other team, but you also look at what your own tendencies are, like how many times you decide to do this when you're in this situation, how many times you do this in this situation. Um, so I think that that those trick plays came out of their self scouting. Um, where they realized, hey, we run a bunch of end rounds, but we haven't run reverses. Let's do that. Uh, we've run 
like all these like swing passes like and all these uh quick wide receiver screens let's add another pass element into there and let's see if we can get a trick play out of it um so they're setting it up and as exactly as andy alluded to now the other teams have to are, are going to be a little bit cautious when we run that play set so it's gonna it might look like that play um and that's how the play will develop but ultimately it might just be just a standard you know wide receiver screen or, or something like that but you'll see maybe a db back off you might see a linebacker hesitate just for a split second deciding whether it's going to be a hook and ladder or if he should go after the ball carrier um it's there's going to be a lot involved um, in those specific situations so i think this actually bodes well a little bit going into ucla where now you kind of the week before you play arguably the best team out of the three teams you play you put all of that on the board and now they're like f like which version of cal are we seeing this week that's kind of that's my thought and uh his last thing was a uh, feeling good about the running back room for the next few years i would agree and i think andy would absolutely agree yeah I think we've been we've been feeling good about it, and apparently Damian Moore was hurt. It wasn't because he fumbled, but he has had ball control issues this season. The guy's super good. I mean, if, I I don't know if he doesn't fumble that ball. I'm. It's hard to convince me that he doesn't take that to the house. Yeah. You know, he all he has to do is break one tackle, and what does Damian Moore do? All he does is break arm tackles. So that play. He was close, and it was the, it was really unfortunate for him that the defender got as much ball as possible. He should not have dropped that ball, it, you know, if he's holding the ball correctly. But or as Ron Gould would say, five points of yep. contact. Um, I just think we're in a really good spot. I totally agree. Great call out, and seems like something that we can continue to to rotate guys into. Just a bummer that we're not going to get Jade not to come into that room. Yeah, we're gonna need a couple of more young guys because we haven't we didn't recruit a running back last class, and we don't have one currently for this class. I believe if I'm if I'm getting my recruiting right, because we had Caleb Johnson and Jadenot, but they both we, we lost, lost both. both. So yeah, it's uh we're gonna have to hit the transfer portal hard, and who knows maybe we come out with the next Zach Charbonnet. So I'll I will it. take it. All right, next one is Daniel Gottlieb. How does this? How does the win impact? impression of the program from potential recruit perspective um i mean can't look good for jackson <laughs> did you see the one tweet from uh derek wilkins so he no. quote tweeted a tweet and his I'll, I'll read you what he originally said he he uh he originally he quote tweeted it and said to j mike he's like uh think we made the right decision or something along those lines but what the quote tweet was, was of this uh, stat. 30 players last season or in the last recruiting cycle had offers from Cal and Stanford. 28 of them decided to go to Stanford. Two of them decided to go to Cal. The two guys that did were J. Mike and Derek Wilkins. It's crazy we, that the recruiting battle right now is so lopsided. And that's just such an area of opportunity because those are the, the guys that we have to mm-hmm. go after because of the academic requirements and the, in the area probably most have some sort of local yep. tie. 
We have to win that. So you'd expect the win from this game to matter a lot, but we're not doing or not helping ourselves in any bit by losing those games at the beginning of the year. Because if this was the eight and four season, or dare I say, nine and three season for Cal, yeah, you'd be winning those. The thing is, Stanford has that past success that they can really draw upon. We still can't say that we've gone to a Rose Bowl. We can't say we've gone to a Pac-12 championship. And I think that matters. Guys might not be looking to compete on national television for every single game, but at the end of the day, I think they want a shot to win a Pac-12 championship. And so, yes, this win's super helpful, but I don't think it gets us all the way there. Very close. It gets very close. But honestly, you just got to start winning more games. I think that's the easy part. Like, that's the easiest way to to describe it is... Win and sell. Win and sell. Does the win impact the impression of the program? Probably to maybe some guys that were debating whether to go to Stanford or Cal. Uh, but overall, probably doesn't move the needle too much. And I'm, I don't want to yeah. be negative, but that's pro- that's just the, how recruiting works. Um, but yeah, all right. Added, uh, added Daniel's name to the list of uh, people. All right, we got another one. Uh, from Shavit, Shavit Karen, you love you love this guy Andy, or gal. Shavit's my boy. I don't know boy, if it's man. a guy or a gal. So, they for now. Um, Shavit asks, seems like Wilcox will be here for twenty two. So does recruiting rebound for the twenty three class? Take by the way, uh, is that I do not agree with that. This uh, current weak class doesn't matter. Only ten commits and no running back for two years will hurt in terms of depth. So let's start with the first part. Do you need recruiting rebounds for 23? Just based off this win, I don't think so. If we won out, yes. If we lose UCLA and beat USC, we'll probably be right where we are now, if not maybe a little bit better. The important thing about this is like you have something to pitch. There's something to sell. You're basically people as a as a high schooler, I can look at this program and I can say, I understand what I'm buying into. And I feel like so many programs can't say that. Washington State can't say that. USC can't say that. Washington can't say that. Like the list goes on. And even in the programs that you know, are retaining their coaches, you know, they might not have that certainty. So what the, what I would really go with with Cal is, you know what you're getting here. And that starts with the degree and ends with what we've been able to demonstrate over the last four games. And I, I think that there is something there that will move the needle in a positive direction. I just don't think it's something that can be measured. It's not just going to be like you win the big game and then all of a sudden all the recruits are like, you know what? <laughs> Actually, I, you know, that was the thing I was just waiting to see. I think, but, it's, but definitely the play on the field helps. And the point about the class that I've been making all year long is that we need to focus more right now on development rather than refilling the coffers because the team is young. 
And yes, not like Rob, you mentioned it before, like not bringing in a running back hurts, but I'm not concerned about the running back room to the point that our, our friend Daniel just made. The running back room is deep right now. And so for me, you can miss on a couple of recruiting cycles at that position, but the big ones is making sure that, like, just look at this team next year. There are guys that we've brought in that haven't even seen the field yet. Achille Calhoun is one of them that came in with a lot of hype that hasn't even seen the field yet. J. Michael Sturdivant has barely played this year. Barely. So for me, it's about developing that class. I mean, you have Jermaine Terry waiting in the wings who's mauling over Stanford defenders in the end of games. We have Kaleki Latu who's already made a couple of huge plays and presents a huge matchup nightmare. We're running three tight end sets that, you know, looks it looks like Stanford, we're doing to Stanford what Stanford tries to do to everybody else. So that's sort of the main point with the class is it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that you can afford to go down, but you have to go back up. So I think the overall point that you're making is like, yeah, 2023 has to be a big focus. And then Rob, what you and I have been saying is like, yeah, like attack the hell out of the transfer portal for this year. One, because most likely you're going to have a lot of talent there with what's happening with Arizona State and with what's happening with all of these coaches openings. Like, I feel like players are most likely to transfer within the Pac-12. When we used to have transfer portal problems, where did all of our players go? A lot of them went to Arizona. They went to like other Pac-12 schools. Because like what Trey, like what Trey Beck was saying on the pod is like a lot of these guys have other Pac-12 offers. So for me, this offseason actually could probably be, or this class could be buoyed pretty well behind some solid transfer portal moves that will come from, you know, I mean, look at or like Oregon's still bleeding good, good players too. Like those guys, uh, a couple of the players that have announced their intention to transfer are good football players on a team that I happen to think wasn't very good, but like their record showed otherwise um, until they got molly whopped. <laughs> that was so, so enjoyable, by the way. Uh, I don't know. So what do you think, Rob? I I mean, you said everything that I would say is um, there's only 10 commits in the class, but signing day hasn't happened yet, and signing day happens at the end of uh, mid-November, end of November, or sorry, uh, mid-December to end of December. Um, that's the big moment. Um, recruiting is still happening right now. Like you guys are coming on visits, uh, maybe not officials, but or actually some officials, maybe some unofficials. So it's still happening. And the reason we probably don't hear anything right now is because we're more for, we're more focused on what's happening on the field than currently what's happening off of it. So I think you'll start to see the pickup of recruiting news maybe over the next couple of weeks as um, the season rounds out. And now the coaching staff is going to have more focus on uh, recruits being in the area uh, and having the time to go out and you know talk to guys maybe talk to some guys that um, are going to be decommitting because of coaching opportunities elsewhere like like all the guys committed to to Washington all the guys committed to SC um, all the guys committed to ASU all the guys committed to maybe even Arizona at least defensively because Don Brown's not there not going to be there anymore um, there's a lot of schools that you could probably tap into that you have been recruiting for quite some time 
uh, and see if you can get another foot in the door. So I think there's a lot to look out for. You just gotta we just gotta see and um, see what develops. Recruiting never stops until the guy signs the piece of paper, and even then, it still doesn't stop until he actually gets on campus. So, and the other piece too that we've talked about, and we saw it firsthand with Cal basketball, is like I'd rather take twelve than force myself to take eighteen. Yep. So if I take twelve or ten, and then that allows me to more time to evaluate talent in the transfer portal. And I have more roster spots and flexibility. I'd prefer that than re- going on a huge reach and putting out a scholarship that then, you know, o- occupies a spot for four years that you know, may never come off of the the you know be or go beyond the three yeah. deep. But let's not talk about Cal basketball. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Uh, all right, we got we're moving on to the next one. So I added Chavit to the list of to our randomizer list. We go to the, we go to the next one. Pat, P3 Cali. What a fun, complete game fought through fought through turnovers and penalties that hamstrung them in the past. Concern is Trent leaving uh, kickoff short, which worries me against UCLA returns. I assume if Lopez or others were better at it, they would be given a shot. I think you're absolutely correct. Um, the, the issue here is... Um, I don't think it's an issue. I think some of those kicks were actually, I think, designed to not get it into the end zone um, and to kick it to one of the blockers that were that's probably sitting, you know, somewhere at the 15-yard the marker. Um, but the only issue with those kicks is you want those kicks to go high so that when they receive the kick, all they have the option of doing is going down or calling the fair catch. Because those guys don't have speed. Like, they were afraid of Nathaniel Pete's speed. Which you rightfully should be. Because you saw him early in the game, too, where he broke off a couple of uh, long runs because he would be able to burst through the hole. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's too big of an issue. I get where you're coming from. Uh, but, yeah, it, it'll be... We'll see what happens in the UCLA game. I do wonder where they're going to kick off to or if they'll try the short game again and... But, that, but once again, I think you're absolutely right that it's a little worrying. Uh, but for me, the worrying part is that the kicks need to be higher if they're going to go for those kicks. Yeah, well said. All right. Um, that's Shavit and that's Pat. Um, all right, the next one we got from David Taylor. Where have these trick plays been all year? <laughs> I've, we've done some of the reverses, yeah. and but nothing like that. Nothing like no, that. Yeah, I would encourage you to just ask Nam about his relationship with Bill Musgrave, <laughs> and I think his answer will be as good of an answer as you could get to this question, even though it wasn't exactly the question. That the was best asked. part about that was Mike Zafel saying that he prints out the message boards and shows them to Bill Musgrave. And Nam was saying in the stands, like after we found out about that, like Nam was saying, there's a non-zero chance that Bill Musgrave was calling the place just to spite Nam. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. All right. Our uh, 
The next one comes from our dear friend Terrence, who's out in China. My take is that we didn't score enough points. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's totally valid. We left so many points I mean, on the board. I can 100% see how someone would be like, dude, like, what did Nick say? 41 felt like the yeah. floor? I agree. We, sh- we could have easily had 50 because you take away, you, you, you swap the interception in the end zone for a touchdown. And then you also swap the two, the two uh, field goals for touchdowns. Yeah, you could have. We could have had sixty. Yeah. Boy. All right. Thanks, Terrence. <laughs> Next one, our boy Josh. Our boy Josh, who's out in Boston. I, I think he's in Boston now. He might have already moved. I think he's moved. Um, any thoughts on Nico's touches this season? And what is your 30-second pitch to NFL teams regarding Kako Crawford and Trayvon Clark? And then also, nine penalties and two turnovers won't cut it against UCLA. Which ones concern you the most? Yeah, so true. Uh, The penalties were really uncharacteristic for this positive stretch that we've had. So I think those would be the ones that concern me. Like, turnovers are going to happen. Well, and they also have DTR, which means... DTR giveth and DTR taketh. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, um, yeah, for sure. I, I would say that one I feel pretty good about. Yeah, I, the only thing about penalties I would say is I think maybe the emotions of the a rivalry game got the better of them um, on, a certain, on a few of those. Like, I don't think... Like not excluding ISF's thing, I think like Braden Rome's, um, you know, unsportsmanlike or the unnecessary roughness, and also Nico's one. It, I think it's just emotions got the better of them in the circumstance um, of the game. I'm pretty sure it's chippy yeah. down there. Um, also, for Andy, your thoughts on Nico's touches this season? Uh, I feel like it's been kind of inconsistent, yeah. and. I don't know what to make of that. I know we've been trying to get him the ball in space more often on some mm-hmm. different looks. And so clearly he's a, a key part of the offense. The issue I think with Nico is he doesn't, to me, really, if you get him on the outside, he never seems to have that much separation. Whereas some of our other receivers seem to be doing a better job at that he's clearly a dynamic player i just don't know if we're like fully we've fully figured out how to utilize him still which seems hilarious (laughs) to say yeah uh and then the last part is what is your 30 second pitch to nfl teams regarding kiko crawford and trayvon clark Rob, give me yours because I would have to do a lot of just like measurables. If you, and- I think if you want speed and a guy who's willing to take a back step and fill a necessary role in the offense at wide receiver, despite having the athletic ability of being a number one guy on the offense or even a number two guy on the offense, these are the guys you want. Yeah, I mean... That's all I can say. Neither of these guys are on obvious draft radar but at the same time maybe my case for it would just be like look at some of the past players that you didn't expect and 
you know, some of those guys have showed up big. I think Crawford to me, I don't know, dude. Clark is super good. <laughs> I think both of them could easily end up on either practice squad or end up on a roster. Yeah, I think they'll get drafted. I don't think they'll be day one. Of course, we don't think they'll be day one guys because they're not on any day one boards right now. But I think when they have their pro day and you get to see their measurables, like actually for what they are, I think that's what's going to start to eye open some of these some of these guys a little bit more too. Uh, but we move on from Josh. We move on to the counselor. Counselor, he says... Ending the season with the big game was a tradition until the Pac-12 expansion. It's a tradition I miss. I've heard a tradition I miss. I've heard scheduling issues as the reason it no longer happens, but never an explanation for why that is the case. Why can't the big game close the regular season schedule? Preach. I have no idea. I it's maybe something to do with Stanford and uh, Notre Dame. Yeah, that's what I would. That would. That's what I would suspect. But it's probably a it's probably a Stanford supports. Uh, I think it's not just a Stanford and Cal issue or a Stanford Notre Dame issue. I think it's like a an amalgam of issues with Stanford playing Notre Dame, SC also playing Notre Dame yearly, and then our schedule. And then like like if you look at SC schedule like this week, they're playing BYU to end the year. Like so, yeah. I I think those types of issues force us to play a week earlier. I mean, but also like SE plays LA the week before too. So it's like, it's just, a I new think thing. I, I remember distinctly at the time being super pissed when they made that change. And then they put a big game in October. And I remember how much I hated yeah. that. And then they just moved it back to what they had changed to. And I was never nearly as pissed about it because the October one sucked so much that I was just happy to have yeah. it back in November. Yeah. Two weeks before the season is not that bad, in my opinion. It's not that bad, but I agree. It'd be better to close the yeah. year with it like, it like it was yep. before. I would concur. All right, we got two more here. Uh, one from fully vaccinated mask-wearing Yoda. He says, Trivia... This is the first time ever that we've taken back the axe twice in a row down on the farm. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Do you know that? I didn't know. That's a, that's, I mean, Garber's dude, like Garber's at Stanford as a starter undefeated. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Two times, two wins. The axe bringer, Mr. Chase Garber's, which by the way, Shout out to our boy Dallas, man, with that picture of him as Thor with the axe. Like, good God. Like, <laughs> yeah. So and good. Nam found out, like, that Chase knows about that picture and has seen the picture. Which <laughs> I think is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Our last one comes from Meredith uh, Shen- Shensel. I hope I said that right. I'm sorry if I butchered it. Andy, if you have you seen this, have you seen this uh, uh, response on our Twitter page? I don't. Um, know. Well, go take a look if you don't mind, because she added pictures, which I think you need to see for it for this to do justice. So, as you look that up, I'm going to read what she said. I was telling everyone at work on Friday we had a chance and was roundly told I was wrong. I'm glad the team did such an amazing job. Now the tie is lucky and will be warned to work every year the last last workday before big game. Go Bears. 
The second picture is me in 1994. Wow. Okay. Hold on. Andy is looking up the picture. Oh, the tie is amazing. Superb. Oh, with the yes. Rally calm. Rally calm. Yeah. Well, I think you are now obligated to wear the tie every single year before the big game. The last day, the last work day before the big game, mm-hmm. every single year. Yep. Easy. I remember. Oh, do you see Terrence responding with his nineteen ninety four photo? Oh, this is cool. So. I remember distinctly holding the axe in 09 and how cool that was. Overall, this is awesome to see. Wear the tie. The tie plays. Dude, I, I rocked my home field apparel shirt all day. I rocked, rocked it to the beach, rocked it back, and when we were getting ready to go out. I wore like straight up like going out to a nice dinner uh, with friends like at, at house but like a nice outfit and then rocked the same home field apparel shirts <laughs> so I'm all for the traditions and I will join you on that one except it's going to be me wearing the home field apparel bears <laughs> shirt that I absolutely uh, love um, we actually have sorry I, I actually lost uh, two or three more people in the in the uh, replies so I'm going to read them out real quick so our first one is from Adams he says, we need a discussion of how Bill Musgrave suddenly turned into Inspector Gadget for a night. <laughs> I think he's talking about the gadget plays, the trick plays that we were talking about, um, which I think we did a decent discussion of. Uh, I think that's been in the playbook all along. They were just looking for the right game to do it, and this was the perfect game to do it. Yeah. It's perfect uh, Critical it. Race Thierry. Oh, I do love that name. Um Andy won't get it because he's not a soccer fan, but I do. Um, He says, I'd like to think Bill was trying to drop 50. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yep, that is true. And last but not least, uh, Mr. Darth D'Artagnan on Twitter. The Musgrave offense we were were waiting for. All gas, no brakes. How about them freshmen? And then lastly, how much is a cow donor going to have to pony up for rushing the field? I believe the home field actually pays for that. It doesn't matter about opposing field or opposing players or fans. That's what I thought yeah. it was too. It's like I think what they have a countdown timer as soon as the game ends before you start. Uh, you let them onto the field, um, and that's when. Yeah, if you get if you if they're um, the majority gets onto the field before that timer is over, you have to pay the fine. I think the. I saw on Twitter someone said this. It was how much is Stanford going yep. to have to pay for a Cal fans yep. rushing the field? And that is the best question. <laughs> oh, what a day. What a day in Palo Alto. And what man, I don't think that this is this feeling's not gonna leave for a while. This this win, right? Um at least that's how I feel. I don't know how about about how you feel. No, dude. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Is like your worst case scenario is going four and eight, but you have yeah. the axe. It's a huge difference. It's a huge. I difference. would love, I would love to for this to feel like 2019, where we go, where we have the axe and we go bowling, and they don't have the axe and they have to stay at home. 
That's what I want. All right. Let's go Bears. Beat the Bruins. We do. All right, Andy. um, I have everyone's name into a randomizer to figure out who we're going to give away this uh, home field apparel Cal line stuff to. All right. I'm going to hit the randomize button. Not once, but you're going to pick the number of times that I hit the randomize button. You need it four, four times. times. All right, here we go. Count right, them down. One, two, three, and four. Here's my list. Should I should I do it from the top up? <laughs> and the winner is. Oh, you're gonna should build. I, should the I build the suspense? No, yeah, you can't. You don't do want me that. to build the suspense? All right, all right. Give me the drum roll. And the winner of the Drum whole field advantage please. is Terrence. Congratulations, Terrence. Wow. Do they ship to China? <laughs> we'll find out. If anything, I'll hold it for him until he gets back to America. Uh, but congratulations, Terrence. You have won the home field apparel giveaway uh, for from the Golden Beer cast. We appreciate your listens all the way from across the country or across an ocean. But that's it. It's an hour and 45 minutes that you've been listening to us talk about the big game and all sorts of other stuff. But uh, jubilation, Stanford fans crying, um, upset that they lost the axe, uh, and congratulating us was the weirdest feeling on the planet. But the axe is ours. It is home. I don't know where you can go see it. I'm sure they'll, I'm sure at the SC game, they'll probably like, you know, like have it on the field at, at some point, like, you know, during some timeout. Um, they'll probably have some basketball game where you can go take a picture with it. Uh, so just be on the lookout for that if you want to get your look in. But that's it for us on the Golden Bearcast. As per usual, you can tweet at us at Golden Bearcast. You can find me at Rob11HWANG. You can find Andy at Andy J. And you can find all the written stuff at RightForCalifornia.com leading up to the UCLA game. And that's it, folks. The axe is ours. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. The music. What music? Did the band just end? Fuck. I hear I still hear a bass. You hear a bass? Or is that coming from my end? Oh, that's from my end. <laughs> <laughs> some some person in the area is like blasting music. It's like a concert going off in here somewhere. Oh yeah. They're they're back. Okay, let's do okay. this. Alright, here we go. Three, two, one.